is there, she knows I'm there, and heaven knows. I hope she goes. I find it hard to realize that love was in her eyes. It's dying now. She knows I'm crying now. And every night I'm there, I break my heart to please. Eloise, Eloise. You know I'm on my knees, yeah. I said I know, first and foremost, I think I sound differently this time. I don't know what's going on with my headphones or my microphone. Uh, you can still hear me, but you can hear it's recording from the, from the, with the room on the computer as opposed to the headset I'm wearing with a microphone on. I don't know why. I always forget to say that we're part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. I think we are anyway. Sometimes we're on their website. Sometimes we're not. I don't blame them. Sometimes we're not overly committed to them that never really we need to probably take that more seriously but i don't i don't we don't i don't know why we need to but anyway thanks to pantheon yeah they've definitely shared some of our episodes because i see that so so if you go into their if you go into their website down at the bottom on the podcast you'd you'd see a link to us okay okay i feel bad because we don't engage with them probably like they want for, want us to, but whatever. Um, how's your life? What's going on? I'll, I'll start real quick. This is the first Sunday in about two months where one or both of my boys haven't had multiple baseball games. Oh, wow. My, yeah, Graham especially, um, he was in like a city rec league and he was by far the best player in the league. And so mm-hmm. a baseball league. And so he was recruited to come join a comp league, a competition league. And he had never done that before. And he's only really been extra good at baseball for maybe the last year. And he's playing with all of these boys who have been deep into baseball since they were little. And um, so he went from being like the best player in his league to one of the worst players on his new team because he's like playing with a bunch of all-stars basically so it was a tough adjustment he still does well he's a pitcher um it was okay it was really good learning experience but it was hard for him and for us so he would have multiple games every weekend during the week he would have like a two and a half hour uh, practice two nights a week that was about 45 minutes away and so our lives have just been eaten up by this baseball league for the last two months but it finally ended last month last week so I can get back to normal and do things like this. What's going on oh, with you? Oh, well, it's October. Baseball season finishes then anyway. And yeah. it snowed yesterday, so there's snow all over the ground. So if it wasn't open, if it wasn't over, it would be over now. Right. So yeah. what's going on with me? Oh, oh. <laughs> most of my time is being taken up by sick sicky in the family. Uh-huh. And, and yeah. she is really sick. Oh. And should be in that should be in the hospital and refuses to cooperate and go. We've even had we've we've had consultants tell her she needs to be in the hospital getting treatment. No, nope. refusing nope. to cooperate. 
That's rough. I we you keep me up to date on this, and I mean our families go back thirty years. I never know whether more than thirty years. I never know whether this is. I mean, is this serious? I know it's serious, but is it life or death serious? Well, put it put it this way: um, for the condition that she's got, if treatment doesn't start soon. Uh, or if she refutes once they say you have to have the dialysis if it doesn't start soon or she refuses it the typical expectancy once you get to that point is weeks really yeah oh that's tough my dad got that way once he got covid you know some uh -huh. people can go on ventilators or it was very clear that he was just ready to check out i don't i don't know what truly fighting for your life even looks like in that moment what you act actually do but um it was pretty clear that he was like no i'm, I'm done yeah, man so, i'm sorry i um of course i love you guys and i that's a lot of that's a big burden for you to take on thankfully my mom's still doing okay she well let's see i was going to talk about some other things um have you been to any concerts lately Probably I've not, not had, I've not had one this quarter in the quarter yet. I've really? Got couple, I've got a couple coming up. What are they? Uh, so next weekend, so this coming weekend, I'm going to uh, Eagles tribute band. Ooh, fun! Mm -hmm. That would be fun. Uh, illegal Eagles, they're called. <laughs> That's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> I think. Uh huh. Um, so I'm going. I'm going to that with uh, one of the one of the guys from the ward. He's into. He's big into music as well. It's not Chris. Chris is on okay. vacation. Yeah, he's been uh, posting these pictures. Where is he? He is in Lanzarote, so it's the Canary Islands. Oh my gosh! Never been there. Beautiful. Oh, so it's right down. It's it's part of Spain. Administratively, it's part of Spain, but it's uh -huh. down right down near africa oh wow western near and western africa oh my it's, gosh that's awesome i was there last yeah. year yeah really <laughs> yeah and after after nicholas and i recovered from covid that's where we uh, went with Crecia and jason and oh, Sam. that's fun yeah so that's that was great. good that's where that's where christmas uh, and then in december i've got uh christmas so there's a there's a like a Celtic rock type band. I've seen them a few times before, and they're doing a Christmas gig at the Banalands in Glasgow. So Ooh. I'm going to that. Banalands. I was supposed to go to Montreux for the Christmas market, but then Irena decided she was coming here that particular weekend. Mm. So that got cancelled, and now then Irena's got dates got moved. So it was open, and then something else got scheduled in mm -hmm. in place. Got it. So there, there's one. A couple of a while ago, a Relief Society decided they were doing a chocolate fountain activity, and so we decided we're going for the elders. We're going one bet. We're going one better. We're doing a meat fondue night. <laughs> you mentioned that. Sounds yeah. delicious. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to one of those Brazilian places where the meat comes on the on the, the oh, swords? I love those. I love yeah. those. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I did that for my birthday last year. Do they have them over there? That's right. Uh-huh. I think I saw a picture of this. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love those. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Good stuff. Um, okay. I'll, let's see. Well, I've been to a ton. I'll burn through these. Sparks. I went with our buddy James Milton, who lives nearby, who also won the Ozzy Osbourne book. I need to take it over to him. That was a wild concert. Uh, those two are in there. I think Ron's 80 and Russell's like 77, but you would never know. So lively, so fun. It was a great show. UB40 was also a good show. I went with my buddy Santosh to that one. Um, I didn't get to meet Robin. Apparently, I could have, but I didn't know that because I wasn't, they didn't tell me when I showed up to claim the tickets. Um, it was a good show. It was in this outdoor kind of park near, mm-hmm. not even nearby. I'd never been there before, actually. It was about 20 miles away, but it was good. They played Sing Your Own Song, which is my favorite UB40 song. So I was happy about that. Uh, Tom Kiefer came by. And uh, me and my buddy Jeff went to that one. Tom Kiefer from Cinderella is one of the great live performers. And he plays all the Cinderella songs, solo stuff. He gives it his his whole heart and soul. The venue was like 150 degrees. And he's got fans on both sides of the stage. And he's needing to stand by them every now and then. But he just gives it every ounce of blood and sweat that he's got. And uh, if you ever get the chance to see Tom Kiefer live, by all means go, because he's just the best. Uh, There was also the Cold War Kids opening for Tears for Fears. But the Cold War Kids was an odd choice as an opener. They could have pretty much done whatever they wanted, but they went with them for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, Georgia and I went to that one, actually. We were up in in the nosebleeds, and Megan was down on the floor. And it was interesting. I, I loved Tears for Fears so much, but there I've seen them five or six times in the last seven or eight years. And it's just almost always the same. And so I don't think I'll go anymore. The new album is so good that it's they play almost the whole album, which is fine for fans like me, but I'm guessing casual fans might get annoyed by this because they'll play like five new songs in a row. And it's actually really injected a lot of new energy into the set which is great but for a band that puts out so little new music and changes up the set list so little there's almost no surprises in fact megan and i were texting about it during the show they they play a cover of radiohead's creep and which is fine but they've been doing it for years and i always just think what is your attachment to this song like pick a different song at least every tour at least throw some other different cover in there why is it always creep and so it just there's no real surprises with tears for fears even though i love them they're in my top five or ten favorite artists of all time but i don't know that there's a need to continue to see them live because it's pretty much the same show every time have you ever seen them live do you like tears for fears some of the stuff yeah but i've never seen them live okay never never yeah it's worth it they're great I'm probably, I mean, for a live show, I'm, if you give me a live show, I'm going to I'm gonna want to see people like, um, now that I've seen them once, I'm going to want to see somebody like The Killers. That is an amazing yes. show. Yes. Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper puts on a show. Yes, he does. And anytime, anytime Tubes are, to, are touring, I want to see them. 
<laughs> that was the tenth. Did you see my post? It was the tenth anniversary uh -huh. of us uh -huh. going to see them the other day. Oh, that was um, that, that was a blast. Historic. And then mm -hmm. I was just thinking that was ten years ago, and here we are, eight and a half years of podcasting. Fee's been on here a couple of times. Mm -hmm. It's just it. Who would have ever guessed that night? You know what I mean? When you were yep. just passing through Denver. Yep, dude, um, dude in front of us farting and the the guy <laughs> the the couple with the big huge blunt to the side of us. Oh, that was a that was a smell fest. <laughs> it, was. it was. It was a great show, though. Uh, after that, Megan and I went and saw Rod Stewart with Cheap Trick opening. I've seen Cheap Trick several times over the last few years. They're another one where it's always great. Setlist doesn't change too, too much. I thought this was odd. Their third song was a bass solo, Tom Peterson's bass solo, if I remember, or was it a drum solo? I think it was a bass solo. And I just thought, why, why are you going to the bass solo already? You're already. And so Megan and I were like, what are they doing? Maybe they're playing a full set, but they only played about 50, 55 minutes. And I thought, why would you make five minutes of this a bass solo? You could dig out any old classic tune. It just made no sense. So it was kind of an underwhelming Cheap Trick show. And I've seen them. That's probably the fifth time I've seen them in the last 20 years or so. And 15 years or so, and they're wonderful, but it was a, that was not great either. Rod was fantastic. He puts on a wonderful show. Very produced, you know, very a lot of uh, very choreographed, but it was so fun. I'd never seen him before. That was kind of a, a uh, bucket list moment for me. I love him. And then uh, Tower of Power came through town, and um, they're always wonderful. Had you seen, have you seen Rod Stewart? Do you care about Rod Stewart at all? Uh, I haven't seen Rod Stewart, but I know my, my my dad's brother had. They were and his him and his wife had seen him a couple of times. I think yeah. they were. I, mean, I might go just to say checkbox, you know. Uh, that was my thinking, and the ticket I think was twenty five bucks, and uh, so it's like, why not? Why you know? Why, yeah, you know, for that price, why not? I mean, yeah, yeah. You look at what yeah. I paid for. It. You look at what I paid for Elton John. If I'd wanted to get a seat in the on the floor down in the uh -huh. floor of the arena, it'd have been about four hundred. Oh, a, a good, yeah. Depeche Mode is coming in a couple of weeks, and I, of course, I love them, and I've only ever seen them once, and uh, so I would love to go again. But they are hundreds of dollars for this ticket. Oh, yeah. Even the cheap ones are super expensive, and. I'm so torn what to do. I should, but I just can't bring myself to do it. Well, they, they, um, they were playing. Ahead. They're playing in the hydro. Oh, uh, but uh, the cheapest was well over a hundred. Uh, mm -hmm. I know some of the stuff is good, but I don't know if it's a hundred. It's a hundred's good. I know. I know the feeling exactly. I'm really torn. Um, okay, Tower Power was great. <laughs> I went to the Lost 80s show, and that was a little sad. My buddy Jake Abhow was in town that weekend, so we went together. I'll just burn through this real quick. It opened with Con Can, who I know, but I know most of the people there didn't. Until they started playing I Never Promised You a Rose Garden, and then people were like, oh, sure, I remember this song. They were kind of an odd choice, but totally fine. Musical Youth came out. Poor guys, they played 
course, past the Ducci, and then I think it was one or two Bob Marley covers because nothing else they have would have been, you know, registered with anyone, but they were sweet. Bow Wow Wow was okay. Annabella, it was great to see her, obviously, but it was a little... That, this was... There was just this air of kind of sadness to me about some of these acts. I feel bad. Did um, you get a chance to say hello to her? No. I, I, oh, I got to say shame. hello. Jack Hughes from... I probably could have gone... Because I think when the bands are done, you they go backstage and they're off out of the venue. There's like a s- signing area by the merch table and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I probably could have gone over and met them each time and then gone back to my seat. But it was really it was run really efficiently. Each band was on for like 15 minutes. And then it was 15 minutes until the next band. And then 15 minutes they were on and then 15 minutes till the next band. So I just would have been up and down the whole and. Thankfully, Jack Hughes from Wang Chung put me on the list and gave, and I had really good seats. And so it would have just been walking all the way out of the venue to say hello and then all the way back. And I didn't want to miss anything, so I didn't do it. I probably could have, but I didn't. Um, Naked Eyes was concerningly bad. I, I'm wondering, I feel bad about, I wonder if something's going on with Pete Byrne, to be honest, because... I haven't heard from him in a while. There was a while there where we would, uh, he put me on the list last year and I couldn't end up going because I was going to be out of town. And, um, but he's been quiet for a while and the songs felt like made up on the spot. People weren't even recognizing them as they were being played. He was all in black. He had a black, like toque on and thick black sunglasses. So you could only see part of his face. And, Mm -hmm. um, it was odd. It was really odd. And I texted Dave Wakeling um, and said, is something going on with Pete Byrne? I, he didn't look well. And Dave said he didn't look well on the flight over here early, earlier either. So maybe something's going on. I don't know. I've seen Pete and Naked Eyes a few other times, and they always deliver. He's excellent. But this was rough, and I don't know why. Uh, then it was Animotion, who were great. They were the only ones who I think had like the entire original band. And um, Bill from Animotion and I are working, we're scheduling a deep dive, by the way. And uh, they were great. I could have seen a whole night of just Animotion because they were, they delivered so well. Shannon was sort of sad, let the music play. She was in like costumes. And a lot of these bands, it's them and the music's all pumped in, it's pre recorded. And so, she mm-hmm. was rough a little bit. Stacy Q was really rough. I don't know what was going on. I don't know if she was on something. I'm trying to get her on the show, by the way. So don't tell okay. her I said any of this stuff. <laughs> but okay. I'll cut that. No, it's okay. You can. I, that was mostly a joke for listeners. You can leave it in there if you want. But it's just sad. It. She. I don't know. I don't know if these people are on things. I don't know if they are just so over it that they phone this stuff in. I don't know if they've gotten kind of weird as they've gotten older. I don't know, but it was a little rough. Missing Persons was actually better than the last time I saw them at Lost 80s. Dale is a trip, but she was very appreciative this time. She was fine. Um, It was a little weird. Then Dave Wakeling came out with General Public, and he always delivers. And then Wang Chung came out, and Jack Hughes and Nick were there, and 
they sounded fantastic too. They only played, I think, four songs, so did general public, but um, it was still worth it. So on the way out, Jack and Nick were at that table and I was able to tell Jack, thank you, because he's the one who put me on the list and say thanks and goodbye real quick. I don't know if I, I go to those things almost every year. I can't imagine them finding a lineup that's good and interesting and people I haven't already seen. So I don't know. I don't know if I'll go again. We'll see. I think those kinds been, of shows are fun, but I've not been to one of those, but I'm usually just going to a, a individual brands gig. Yeah, I normally do too, but these are a fun way usually to catch up on all these people. Half those bands I'd never seen before, but some of them were a little rough. And then um, I went to uh, Earth, Wind & Fire and Lionel Richie. Earth, Wind uh, & Fire is like a, I know. I, I'm wearing my Earth, Wind & Fire t-shirt right now. Th they are a top 10 favorite band of all time. I love them. This was my second time seeing them. It was good. It felt a little, well, they've just been doing this for 50 years, you know? So it's, I don't know how much, it didn't feel like spont spontaneous or whatever, but it was still solid. Those songs are completely impenetrable. And then Lionel was honestly one of the best shows I've ever seen. And it's interesting because I saw him a few years ago at Red Rocks and it was good. One thing you lose sight of when you go, when you listen to Lionel is that two thirds of his hits are ballads and they all kind of sound the same. And they're great songs, but it makes for kind of a, law, a long night with a lot of ballads. And Megan and I went to this one too. Tickets for this one were also, I think, 20, 25 bucks. And, uh, but he delivered. The show was excellent. All of the in-between songs banter was so funny. He's so engaging. Fantastic storyteller. I absolutely loved Lionel Richie. So if you ever get the chance to see Lionel, do it because he delivers, whether it's all ballads or not. You like ago, what's a that? Ago, he, a few years ago, he played at Edinburgh Castle in the Esplanade. What? Yeah. Uh, if he does it again, I am there. I'm going. Yes, you should. He's fantastic. Uh -huh. um, after that was another. It was Filter Ministry, Alice Cooper, and Rob Zombie, and that was another one that Megan and I went together. There's no way in hell that Farrah would have gone to a concert like that. There's no way I would have gone if Filter hadn't put me on the list. But <laughs> it was fun. Filter were fantastic, as I thought they might be. I texted Richard and said how great he was. Ministry is not my thing. It's a little hardcore for me. There's not enough tune going on there. Alice was great. I did realize this is my third time seeing Alice. And seeing Alice is kind of like seeing, seeing Kiss, where uh -huh. the theatrics are pretty much the same every time you see him. He's gonna, there's going to be Frankenstein, there's going to be the beheading, there's going to be the swords and all that kind of stuff. It absolutely delivers. If you've never seen Alice, by all means, go see him. I don't know that I would bother again just because it's, like I said, it's the same show that I've seen now three times, but it's so fun, so excellent. Oh, I definitely want to see him again. Yeah. That show we went to at the Hydro was – plus, that was – the other two times I've seen him, he was not the headliner. And mm -hmm. the time we went, he was the headliner. So it was a full, like, hour and a half, two-hour show. You know what I mean? The ones yep. I've seen, that's more of like a greatest hits, which is fine. But, um, yeah, there was something oh, more special <laughs> about the one we went to. 
Well, the headliner, with him being the headliner, that was excellent. I definitely would love to see the the Tubes be a headliner again before they quit. Me too. Me too. And then Rob Zombie, who his music could not be further from my taste in music, put on a fantastic show. Again, it's all about the choreography and the production and the stage and the dramatics and all that kind of stuff. It was so, so good. It's not my thing to listen to, but it was absolutely so much fun to watch. I loved it. And then lastly was Theater of Hate, The Chameleons, and Mission UK. That is about as dreamy a triple bill as I could ever imagine. Um, Megan and I went to that one too. Wayne from The Mission put us on the list. I was hoping I was going to get to meet him or some of these people that I wasn't able to. I don't even know how to make that work, actually, but it's kind of them to put me on the list. Um, Theater of Hate, our band, I've, I've seen them a couple of times, always opening for the Chameleons. They're so good. I need to bring Kurt Brandon on here. And Chameleons totally delivered and the mission totally delivered. It was a fantastic show. So the Rain Parade. Big thanks to my friend Andy Zicklin. Andy is a jack of all trades. He's a funny guy. He lives here in Denver and we've met up at shows and stay in touch and I'm still not even 100% sure what his job or jobs are, but one of them at this point is a record label and Rain Parade are on the record label. And so he contacted me and said, would you be interested in the Rain Parade? And I was like, absolutely. I love them. My friend Greg Langer, who I used to work with at IBM, turned me on to them about 15 years ago or so. So I was really glad to have those guys on. Uh, And their new record, uh, Last Rays of a Dying Sun, is so good. I have two copies. I need to get them out to you guys. I have been falling behind on mailing things out to Patreon people lately. I'm sorry. Um, I do worry that I didn't spend enough time talking about the new album with them. And I did. And then I went into the past and maybe didn't like that. I was trying to be very sensitive to anything relating to Dave Robeck of of uh, Mazzy Star, because I'm sure they don't want to be the spokespeople for Mazzy Star or him or whatever. And since he's died, I'm sure that comes up a lot. But I tried to be very sensitive about that. I don't know if people, how well known they are, unless you're a real deep music nerd, but great band. And I highly, highly recommend the new one. Did you know them before? I didn't, but I really liked what I heard. Good stuff. After that was the big country promo mode. It was, um, you know, when this email, I got emailed saying, would you, you know, are you interested in Mark and or Tony? It was originally supposed to be all of the original guys. It was going to be Bruce and Tony and Mark. And I thought, I love, I mean, we've had Mark on before, but, and this whole podcast is almost dedicated to Stuart Adamson. So yes, let's have him on. And the thought of having all three original guys in the same Zoom room or whatever feels historic to me. But then Bruce didn't show. I don't know why. Tony showed for the last few minutes. So it was just me and Mark for a while. But he's such a sweet man, and it was so great to hear from them again. Plus, that's one of the biggest episodes we've put out this year, surprisingly. Tell people who don't know, I mean, they're from the town that you're in, Dan, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. What do they mean to the town? They so when when they play, their show, shows are them and the skids shows are usually sold out. They obviously played, you know, like when you had when you had when we had Richard on. They played in the 
the main venues here in this in the in the city. So we're a city now, by the way. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, we got city status last last year. And we're uh, talking about Dunfermline here for anyone who doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. So big country, one of Dunfermline's finest bands. They just anywhere they play around the area, they just like place goes nuts. And when I was out there for that that Alice Cooper show that we went to together five or six years ago, you took mm-hmm. me on a tour, basically, of all the like big country landmarks that are in Dunfermline, how, places mm-hmm. they used to play, houses they used to live in, um, where they met. There's uh, yeah. the the museum, all that kind of stuff. And so they're like they're kind of like the native sons or something, you know, of yeah. Dunfermline. Yeah. Yeah. So. The guy that used to be the keyboard keyboard player, uh, uh, he he'd he'd been in Runrig as well, mm. and then he's he's an M, he's a member of Parliament for the last twenty odd years or something, something like that. He's friends with my uncle. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. I yeah. Had no idea. That's cool. Nice. And then, yeah, so there's just some a lot of history you know, there. Yeah, and things things sell out. And like I said, we 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 drove past where Stuart had his big big house out in the out in the country, but there was also the one right by the park. Yeah. Yeah, and then the museum and then Yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's great. And uh, they, uh, Bruce still lives in, in Dunfermline. Does he really? Uh-huh. <laughs> Good for him. That's wild. And we should say, I think Ian Anderson is from Dunfermline originally, yep. isn't he? Yeah. Yes, he is. That's yeah. Former, I guess. That's wild. Um, okay. After that was Tommy Stinson of The Replacements. That one was a trip. Pretty surreal. Um, he, I had heard from other people that I think Steve Cooper, our buddy, had him on and only lasted about 20 minutes because if you if you focus too much on the replacements or Guns and Roses, Tommy just completely checks out. And so I thought, well, I need to focus on the new stuff. And um, Cowboys in the Campfire is that what it's called? It's so it's a great album. Um, it uh, so I thought I need to focus on the new stuff and work my way back, and hopefully I will earn the right to have more time with him. And sure enough, it worked, thankfully. So we covered, you know, a half hour or so of, of Cowboys in the Campfire and then the, his solo career. And then I asked, can I ask you a few questions about the other ones? And he said, yes, because by then he was kind of warmed up. So we, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't the most in-depth conversation on either of those bands, but we got some good information on uh, the placemats and Guns N' Roses, which I don't think we would have gotten otherwise. So that was that. That actually bit, ended up being a real uh, winner for me. Unfortunately, he came through town. I think it was the same night as one of the shows I was just talking about. I think it was the same night, maybe as Lionel or Rod. I can't remember, but he was uh, here playing this little bar that uh, Steve Kilby from the church had played a few years ago, and um, it's just this. I mean, it's in like a the suburban strip mall. It's the least, right. 
Yeah, it's the least venue, rock venue looking place you've ever seen in your life. But they, uh, because Steve and Tommy share a manager, they make sure to pass through there. Oh, okay. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been fun. Yeah. I thought, he was, I thought he was okay to interview. I thought I, did, I didn't think he was bad at all. No, he was fantastic for us, but I could, I could, I've heard he's prickly with others. So we, we won that one, thankfully. And in fact, Darren Hill from the Red Rockers, who was on here a while ago, and is Paul mm -hmm. Westerberg's manager. I can't remember if he asked me directly or chimed in on a post or something like that. When I said that I was, I tried to, you know, I had to earn the right by talking about the new stuff first. He confirmed that that was definitely the way to go. And that's why it worked out. So, um, okay. So Paul Kelly is another one that was a huge honor. I love Paul Kelly. I've ever since I saw him open for the Smithereens 35 years ago or whatever that was. And I, he was almost on here a few years ago, five, six years ago. And he got cold feet at the last minute because he was under the impression that the podcast was for um, has-beens, like 80s has-beens. So it got canceled the last minute, unfortunately. And I didn't want to mention that to him because I didn't want him to think that now. he I don't know that there is another long-form interview like this with Paul Kelly. He's clearly a little shy. He's clearly not the most talkative, effervescent, warmest guy. But I think I won him over eventually, hopefully. And um, I got to give a huge thanks to Liam Dennis. Liam Dennis is a PR guy from down, from Australia who helped us get Paul, who helped us get Little River Band, who will be in, I think, the next um, recap, who helped me get on the guest list to see the Hoodoo Gurus when they came through town. Uh, Liam has been a bright light, a good person to know. So thank you, Liam, if you're listening. And um, I was just so proud to be the, I don't know of another interview with Paul Kelly that's that long. And so I, I don't know if it's for everybody. I don't know if you have to be a fan to care, but I'm a huge fan and I am proud to be the guy who did that. Do you know him? I'm tired of him, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you said thanks to Rob Disner. Did am I missing? Did Rob Disner do something here? Yeah, Rob did that interview. That what was did a, you? He did that interview. I was away. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot. Yeah, you took that week off. Yes, thank you, Rob. Oh my gosh, thank you, Rob. I'm so sorry. I thought it meant when I read your note, I thought that meant Rob had something to do with setting up the interview, and I couldn't remember that. But you're right. He did that episode, which is great. Yeah, thank you, Rob. So I, I, I was in Poland. That's right. That's what it was. That's right. Um, okay. After that, we did the Gothic book with John Robb. That thing is gigantic. I still am only about two-thirds of the way through it. It's funny. Um, I had an extra copy to give away. Megan was the one who won it. And when we went to the mission, we don't ever drive to or like drive to concerts together. We just meet up once we're there and then go home. But since I knew I would see her at the mission concert, I brought the extra copy in the book, uh, the extra book in the car. So we were walking to my car after the show and I give it to her and it's literally the size of like an old phone book. 
It's so, and she's oh, like, oh, thing. gosh. And she's, and it's small print, and there's, there's, uh, footnotes on almost every page that are practically a whole second book to itself. It's gigantic. All right. Yeah. But it's great. I'm glad it exists. Um, John was in, he's touring the U.S. right now on a book tour that sounds amazing. I wish he'd come through here. He was in a cafe or something when we talked, so it was a little hard to hear, but um, it's a great book for anyone who, you know, cares about Gothic music and culture and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah just a good question there with you, you. You talked about going to... Meeting Megan at the concert. So, what, what ones would Farah go with you to? <laughs> that's a good question, actually. Because <laughs> <That's a, laughs> it sounds question. weird. That's a question What's... for a Tuesday episode. <laughs> she she just doesn't like going to concerts. They don't really mean anything to her. She feels trapped. Um, she has to know like every single song and like every song and she'll check this. Like, like I think I mentioned she and I were going to go to OMD together a year ago and she loves OMD and she's checked the set list and there were like four or five new songs that she didn't know. And on the way to the concert, she changed her mind and said she didn't want to go anymore. And so we got in this big fight about it. Thankfully we were, a, you know, just a few blocks from the house, I told her, I'm not driving back. If you want to leave, you're going to walk home. And this sounds <laughs> terrible, but it's true. So she did. And thankfully we recovered, but it was, oh, it made me so mad. So yeah, she just does not care. She doesn't want to go. And Megan's husband goes to some shows. And so there have been, I met him a couple of times. His name is John too, spelled like mine. And so uh, he's, great guy but he doesn't care about going as often as megan and i do so we just either go together or if we're at the same show we'll meet up with each other before or after or whatever so yeah fair just doesn't care and that's this is bizarre i know i know it is <laughs> i know you can I, tell her i said that too i will <laughs> <laughs> She liked to, she'll go to, like, she went to the Avent Brothers because we okay. went backstage and went on the stage. She went to the Indigo Girls because she likes them and we got to go backstage and meet Emily afterwards, or Amy, I'm sorry, afterwards. So she'll go to the bigger ones that, you know, are kind of important, but she just doesn't care about going to shows like I do. She feels trapped and unhappy. And, and it's no fun for me to be with someone who doesn't care about being there. And so, I just go by myself and Megan goes by herself and we meet up while we're there. Um, okay, next up was Echo Belly. Uh, they are a band I really, really liked back in the day. Um, I kind of lost track with them after their the height of their fame or whatever there in the mid 90s, but I do love and respect them a lot. I was glad to have Sonia and Glenn on there. I was a little surprised by Sonia's immigrant comments. I thought for sure that would be a softball to just talk because they are both immigrants, obviously. I, maybe mm -hmm. I misinterpreted what she was saying. I, and I'm not, I should clarify, I'm not like so pro-immigrant that I'm like, yeah, open borders and anyone come and go. And that's not what I'm talking about here. Um, 
I do think if you're already here and you're contributing to society, then leave them alone. And if you're not here yet, but you let's maybe make it easier for the right people to come into the country, any country. And um, so I don't remember exactly what she said, but her she kind of there was some hemming and hawing around that that kind of surprised me. And uh, some of the listeners picked up on it too and commented on it, but whatever. I thought she would have more sympathy than she does, and she doesn't, and that's okay. People are entitled to their opinions. Yeah, I was trying to remember what she said, so I think I'm going to have to go back and listen, re-listen to it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh. If I remember correctly, it was something along the lines of, you know, if you're going to come here, I'm paraphrasing, but you need to. And by here, she means England, not America. If you're going to come here, you need to respect the rules and you need to contribute and you need to be a good person. And you need to, all of which is fine, but there was some other, I don't know, there was some other kind of angle or spirit to what she was saying that felt a little off, but it's cool. I I'll still go, like it. I'll, I'll go listen to it and I'll, 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 I'll get in touch. Yeah. And yeah. Do. Tell, tell you what it was. Yeah. Um, after that was Ricky Phillips from The Babies and from Sticks and from Bad English. And that one has been in the works for a couple of years. Our listener, Shay Zero, who lives in Utah. And every time I'm in Utah, we think we're going to meet up and then we, we lose track of time. Um, she was trying to connect me with Ricky a couple of years ago and it didn't work out. And um, it finally happened, thankfully. He was such a nice guy. You totally realize why a guy like him gets picked to be a part of these bands. He's not overpowering or dominant in his personality. He lets other he lets those the people with those personalities run the place. He's just a excellent loyal foot soldier who is a good hang and a nice guy and easy to be around and doesn't cause drama. And that's what mm -hmm. makes him so attractive to big bands like this. And I absolutely respected yeah. him for that. Didn't you get that feel too? Yeah, and I think we've we've had other guests like that, you know, that yeah. as well, where they're just going to blend in well with the band that they've gone into, and they're not going to cause any trouble. Yeah, and that makes things so much easier. Yeah, you can totally tell these session guys and stuff like that why they become as successful as they are is because they're just reliable and they're good hangs and they're good at what they do. You know, mm -hmm. it's uh he was great. I would so have, after that. Oh, go ahead. Talking of like that. I would have loved to have seen Bob Seeger with the session guy that does the uh, Rick Vito solo for like a rock. He would, he's didn't note for note. Did he? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, but uh, obviously Bob's done. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I wish Bob would do a, would come on here. He almost never does interviews. I love him. I've never seen him live either. Um, I tried once and I got scammed. I lost 150 bucks paying some no scammer for a ticket that never happened. Well, that's another story. Um, anyway, after Ricky was Dave Robinson from, um, Stiff, mm -hmm. Stiff Records, geez. Now, uh, I have to give another thanks to Jay Nachman, who's his PR rep, and Jay's hooked us up with some other great people along the, over the years, too. Henry Priestman, Brinsley Schwartz, um, 
And Jay knows what kind of music I like. And so when he gets that kind of a person, he comes to me and says, I think you're going to like this one. And he was absolutely right. Uh, I feel a little bad for Dave because I was so sick that morning. I had taken a bunch of cold medicine the night before. I don't think I had COVID, even though it was close to feeling like I had had, like the feelings or symptoms I've had when I've had COVID before. But it was a really bad cold. And I took all this medicine the night before. And because of the time difference, Dave and I talked early the following morning. It was like 7.30 a.m. my time. And the medicine hadn't worn off. And so I was so groggy. I could barely keep my eyes open. And I'm yawning all the time. And I can't. Dave is watching me yawn. There were, you had to cut out a couple of times when he was like, you're going you're gonna to make it? You're going to be okay? I felt so bad, like I was disrespecting him, because Stiff Records matters to me a great deal, as does Dave. And I know Dave primarily wanted to talk about his new band, Hardwick Circus, or Hard, yeah, Hardwick Circus, which we did. I just wish that I had been more mentally on the ball to make that conversation go even deeper or a little better. And it's the, it, surprisingly or not surprisingly, it's our most popular episode of this quarter. This and the big country one. And um, so I wish that I had been more, you know, on top of it and had a better, more, maybe even longer, deeper conversation. As it was, it turned out okay. I got, I felt better as it went along, but I, I wish I could do that one over again. Oh, you could always get them back to do a deep dive once they've got an album or two out. Yeah. I thought about that, and Jay sent me some Hardwick Circus CDs, which we gave away, and um, the music is fantastic. And it was so fun hearing Dave's stories. He's just a life in rock music, and especially the kind of music that I like. It was an honor to talk to him. I wish I'd been more, more up to the challenge. After that was Rat Scabies of uh, The Damned and a bunch of other projects. I, excellent. I mean, excellent, thank you for saying that, yes. Um, I love The Damned, and when I say a bunch of other projects, I mean like half a dozen other projects. Rat Scabies is just kind of lending his talents to, I don't wanna say anyone who asks for them, because I'm sure it's more thought out than that, but he's got so many side projects. And they're all different styles. He's known as being this fantastic punk rock drummer, but all of his styles, including the ones, the, uh, oh, I gotta find it. What was the name of the, the Sinclairs? Yeah, I think it was the Sinclairs. The Sinclairs, which is this like surf rock kind of side uh -huh. project that he was in to, to discuss on the podcast, is nothing like the dam. And yet, He's there. He does whatever he wants. I personally thought the part about him seeking a literal holy grail was the most fascinating part of all. Have you ever heard of anyone doing that? I never have, other than Indiana Jones. Yeah, no, I haven't. I, although there are, sometimes you get some documentary shows on that. Yeah, yeah. I bet you he would be on those. I think he even was on one, and it might even be on YouTube, because I think I watched part of one to get ready to talk to him just to see if this was real, and it is. I'll need to, and, I'll need to go back and look at a couple and see if he's on them. Yeah. I think if you look it up in YouTube, I think he 
either he had his own show or he guessed it on someone else's. If I remember right, I don't think every episode is there, but there might be one or two. I can't remember because I looked it up when we talked. Just fascinating. It's so interesting to see what things <laughs> excite people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Okay, after that was Maya Sharp. Now, I know that Maya Sharp is not a household name to most people. Um, she matters a great deal to me because that Art Garfunkel album that she sang on is, I don't know, I say this a lot, but I haven't said it in a while, literally one of my favorite albums ever. It's perfect, start to finish. And her voice is so unique. It's not oh. masculine, but it's not overly feminine either. It's this cloudy, foggy, kind of deep, rich thing that is so unique. What were you going to say? I was going to say, when you say it's not masculine, you, 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 we're not talking Marlene and Dietrich here. No. <laughs> no. And it, it uh, you know, I'm, I almost hesitate to focus on it because I, there's probably people who, whose knee-jerk reaction might be, well, she's a, she's a lesbian, so of course her voice is going to be a little huskier or something like that. That's not really what it, though. There's a femininity to her huskier voice that is so deep. Anyway, I love her. I love her. And um, I thankfully, I've been able to hear from a few people, namely Greg Chittister the most, who got really turned on to her, and I'm proud to have done that. I stand by her work a lot. I think she's special. And she was just here in concert recently. I'll talk about it more in the next recap. I thought she so she she and Garrison Starr are going to come back on here soon. I need to follow up on that. It's my fault. Um, oh, that would be good. That would be yes. good. Yes. They both have new projects. Garrison has a new album out. Um, it's a collaboration with a guy. I don't remember his name. It's up my head. And Maya produced an album for uh, this, the, this girl group called Shell. And so... I thought it'd be fun to have both them on because they're friends and they're, we love them to talk about that and just, you know, the rest of their careers or being gay in the music industry or whatever they want to talk about. So when Maya came through, I thought she was the headliner, but in fact, she was the opener and sang with the two girls who make up shell and only sang two or three of her own songs. The headliner ended up being Jill Sobule who was great, says, tells so many funny stories. She was fantastic. So it was a really good night. And I got to say thanks to Maya. She put me on the list and I uh, got to say hello and tell her I would get in touch with her soon. But anyway, I'm a big believer in Maya Sharp. I like her a lot. Um, okay. After her was Richard Patrick of Filter. Now I got to say, again, I didn't, you know, that industrial rock I like in small doses typically or I like a single on the radio, but I don't always need an entire album of it. Filters, I do think is a little, uh, especially after, I, I don't love the first album with Hey Man, Nice Shot on it, but their albums get better to me as they go. And I really like the new one, The Algorithm. When the opportunity came along to interview him and I thought, isn't Richard Patrick like a total dick? He was a dick in Hired Gun. He, I think he's a trumper. Um, if he's not, I think his brother Robert is, so I'm not sure. Um, do I want to sign up for this? Do I want to talk to a guy who has a reputation of just being a complete jerk? 
And then I thought, yeah, actually I do. Let's, let's chat. I'll challenge myself, you know, let's see if I can, okay. let's see how, if he's, how big a dick he is. And uh, let's see where this goes. Turns out he was the complete opposite of that. He could not have been cooler and nicer. Right. All right. Oh yeah. He was totally awesome. I mean, he was. Yeah. He was, he was, I was sitting there listening to that as I'm editing it and I think this guy's ace. <laughs> I was not mentally prepared for that at all. But then when I get ready to talk to him and there's, and I dig deeper into the catalog beyond a couple of the albums that I knew their song. I'm realizing we are aligned politically. I realized that he's actually a much more empathetic person than I realized couple of times in that interview he apologizes for his edit in Higher Gun because he got screwed by the director Fran who we had on here back in the day he was kind of set <laughs> up to be the the goat in that shot every every preconceived idea I had about Richard fell away and he was one of my favorite artists we've had on this year I was just in shock of how great he was Regular guy, too. Totally yeah. regular guy, you know? And I thought it was really interesting when he was... Because, again, I'm probably projecting here, but I just assume that a lot of his audience doesn't align with his politics. Mm-hmm. And when I... So when I mentioned that to him, he's like, yeah, I've lost fans. I've lost probably half my audience, but I don't care. I'm not going to be quiet about it. And I just totally respected that about him. He was a great, great guy. And he gave me his number, and like I said, he put me on the list for that show, and we've texted a couple of times. He was just, he was the best. Okay, after that was the John Cafferty deep dive. I just selfishly wanted to spend more time with John Cafferty. I love his band. I love his music. And um, I wanted to, I wanted to validate his First of all, the album that he made had nothing to do with Eddie and the Cruisers. That was just his, the band's album aside that wasn't tied to a movie. And I wanted him to know that I loved it and that I, it means something to me. And he's got new music out. And when people come on the show and they say they have new music coming out, someone like him who hasn't done anything in 35 years or whatever, I frankly didn't believe him. I thought, yeah, you, I'm sure you do probably play new music, but you're never going to release it. And sure enough, it's out there. And it sounds just like what all the other good stuff he's put out sounds like. So I just wanted to spend more time with John Cafferty. That was it. Oh, he was he was amazing. He's he's the type of guest I could listen all day long. Me too. Me too. And yeah. I know that he takes stick for sounding so much like Bruce, but so what? People sound like other artists all the time, and he's great at what he does. And to be honest, I would rather listen to you. People are going to think this is weird. I like the t- his Tough All Over album better than Born in the USA, better than um, the uh, Tunnel of Love. I uh-huh. I know that those songs have really high highs, but they've got some filler to me too. And so I I just give me John Cafferty all day. I love him. Well, I think he sings better than Bruce too. So. <laughs> You're not the world's <laughs> biggest Bruce fan. But, that, but that's not difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Flamethrower about Bruce. Uh, so do you yeah. like Bruce at all? Or do you? is he just not your thing at all? Not my thing at all. I actually, I like his drummer. Uh-huh. 
Max. Yeah. Yeah, Max is Max is excellent. I used to watch uh-huh. him on. on I used to turn Conan. on to Conan just to watch Max. Right. His drummer is awesome, but yeah, no, I, yeah, not your thing. Not I get it. I get yeah. it. Um, okay. After that was the Smoking Popes, Josh uh, Caterer. They're just one of those great power pop bands that I've liked for a really long time and believed in, and I think leaving rock music because you find Jesus is a fascinating story. And I never know whether, I mean, I think probably because of our religious lives and upbringing, we are, we like hearing those kinds of stories. I don't know if people who aren't religious at all find those, find hearing people's faith journeys annoying or not. It's like, can't we just talk about music, rock and roll? Do we have to talk about people's faith? I find it so fascinating, especially a guy like him who explains his faith and it means something to him in a way that's endearing, not in a way that's off-putting. I can't stand people's faith who is off-putting. I want no part of that. Oh, I'm su- I'm surprised that you felt that like you had to to do that. When you look at bands like Switchfoot, they they yeah. planned that perfectly well. Yeah. Or the killers, Brandon Flowers remains a devout yeah. woman despite all of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, he didn't feel like he could do both. And um, I mean, it's a shame because their music is so good, but whatever. And imagine, I, I could imagine too being a band member and thinking, you mean I'm, I can't be a rock star anymore because you want to give it all up for. For Jesus, I w- I could imagine that being a really hard pill to swallow. If I'm in the band with the guy who's doing that, but I respect I respect him for it totally. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, and some of the music there was good too. So I love it. I did I did manage to mail out those records. I still have to mail out the Rain Parade records. Um, okay, just a few left. We only have nine minutes to go, and then I got to go because we have people coming okay. over for dinner. All right. After that was Stephen Tintin Duffy. That was a huge honor. Huge. Now, he is doing a a lot of... uh, I actually emailed him... Well, so I've tried reaching out to him a few times over the years and never heard back. And then Tarquin gave me his personal email. And what was that was like a year ago or more. And uh, I reached out to him and said, I'd love to have you on. Um, because and because I'm thinking of doing this thing where I'm talking to everybody or almost everyone with some kind of wonderful soundtrack. And he says, I have a new album coming out. I'll let you know when it's out. And people say that sometimes and you never hear from them. But he did. And he came through and his new album is one of my favorite albums of the year. And uh, it was just so good to talk to him. And hopefully we covered some other things. I know he's been on a, a few other podcasts these days. So Whenever people are in promo mode like that, I always worry that I'm just making them rehash the same old stories. But I hope that we got to some other things. I tried to dig into his whole career. Touch on, I didn't want to spend too much time on Duran Duran um, because it's such a small period of his life. And it was way before they became famous. So it's not like he gave up the fame of Duran Duran to do his own thing. That's not really Mm -hmm. the choice he made. But I just love his stuff. I know Chris Lemp is a gigantic fan. He was one of the people who's encouraged me to get Stephen on here for all these years. Yeah. 
Anyway, I thought Lilac Time was a much bigger deal than they are. They don't, I guess he's kind of a cult figure. I guess I didn't quite realize that. Did you know him or recognize Lilac Time or anything like that? I'd heard the name, but I don't think I'd ever listened to some of their some stuff before, but it's good. Yeah, it is. He's a really good guy. Lovely man. I'm glad that happened. It was a big honor. Um, I I'd, probably heard it from, I'd probably heard it from Chris. That, you probably did, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And I think he was on he was on the Soda Jerkers podcast recently, too. Anyway, he was on like one or two of the big ones at the uh -huh. same time. Anyway, it was great. So that led to the Some Kind of Wonderful episode where we had Lick the Tins, March Violets, and Blue Room on. Uh, that one took like almost a year to make happen because of schedules and all that kind of stuff. It didn't quite turn out the way I hoped. Um, I was glad to shine a light on all three of those bands. I love what they do. Um, it's a little unfortunate that with the March Violets anyway that um, Cleo or Chloe, I don't remember which one, who is the singer that sang the songs that are on the soundtrack and who appeared in the movie is no longer in the band and doesn't really do interviews. That part was kind of a bummer. Rosie Garland, who is the who was the lead singer before and is now, is a really cool lady, and it was great to have her on. No problem there. But um, I just wanted more juice. I wanted more like behind-the-scenes stories. I wanted more uh, learn more about the impact, if there was any. I wanted to learn more about being selected for the soundtrack. And you realize, talking to all three of them, that being in that movie was just just one other thing. It was one thing among many. It wasn't the biggest thing. It wasn't the most memorable thing. It was just in those couple of years as they were trying to launch a career, one of their songs yeah. showed up in a movie, and that was it to them. Yeah, so, I was surprised at that. I was surprised at that because that thing's one of the best, one one of the great 80s movies, one of the great 80s films. And it's... Still gets a lot of airplay. It does. I know it's probably my favorite soundtrack ever, and that movie is because it's a John Hughes movie is just in this time capsule for all of eternity. I just thought there would be more meat there, and there just wasn't. But it's okay. I'm still really glad I did it. I've always wanted to do that episode. Um, it was nice to shine a light on those three bands. They deserved it. Allison yeah. from Lick the Tins was so nice, and Dave. Um, was I have like hundreds of emails from Dave uh, from Blue Room <laughs> telling, oh, well. sending me the music that he's working. I think you'll like this. Could you cut this part out? I I won't. I'm too busy. Can we do it later? Anyway, good guys, all of them. Uh, Elliot, yes, you uh, felt like this was one of your favorites, right? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, he was. He was a great guest to have on the show, and what you've put—he really was a a nice, humble guy. He's definitely up there for one of my episodes of the year. I think, other than the Trevor Horn one, mm. yeah. Trevor uh, Trevor's probably going to be it for me, just because of the, the the amount of saving that one needed. Yeah, yeah. But the Elliot was can't fault him. Excellent. No, and his voice was, was fine. His voice was fine. It was clear that he had had, you know, it had been impacted at some point, but it did not deter at all from the conversation. And that part at the end when he apologizes for it, 
I just almost cried because I thought, oh, you don't, there is no need. You do not need to feel that way. And if he was feeling self-conscious about it or worried about it for the hour or whatever it was that we talked, I just didn't want any of that burden on his shoulders because he was wonderful, you know? Yeah. And it was fun to talk about artists like Ashford and Simpson and stuff that we don't talk about as much, you know, and that he worked <laughs> yeah. with those people. It was just, it was great. And Steely Dan and everything. I just, I loved him. I love having, I've got a really excellent producer episode in the can right now that I can't wait to put out, but I've got, it's going to be a lot of twofers for a while because I have all these time sensitive interviews with people and, but none of them can talk an hour. It's like 30 or 45 minutes. And the only way I can think of to get them all out in time to promote all their stuff is to bump a bunch them together, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, there's going to be a few of those. Let's go for Mickey. <laughs> yes. So Mickey is, uh, I, I'm not kidding when I say that her book is probably the best rock auto bio I've ever read. Um, I did not know that it's not out in the States. I feel a little guilty about this because I had been trying to get her on for over a year and her publicist, I, she and I would email directly on Facebook and she's like, yeah, I'd love to come on, talk to my publicist. And then the publicist who's trying to protect her and her time it says, oh, she's too busy. She can't do it. She eventually said, when it comes out in paper, paperback, we'll do it then. So I'm being, uh-huh. I'm being respectful of that. And finally it comes out on paperback and her pu- and the same publicist is like, oh, she's just really busy. I don't know if we're going to have time for this. So I go back to Mickey directly and just say, can we work around the publicist and just you and I talk? Because I really want to do this and I'd love to. And she agreed to do it because she's being nice and doesn't want to turn me down. But I didn't realize that the book wasn't even out in America yet. So she oh, may, right. I may have like forced her or encouraged her to do something that she didn't have the time to do. But it turned out great because that's another one of our biggest episodes of the year. And she was fantastic. Don't yeah. you think? Oh, yeah. And she didn't hold back. No. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what you think. Did I, do I, I would never in a million years ask anyone about their sex life unless they wrote a book talking about it. And, <laughs> I, and one of our guests, uh, one of our listeners Tim Robinson, maybe I can't remember said like, "Mm, I didn't really like the sex part. You know, if you were talking to Howard Jones, would you have asked him that question? And I was like, not unless he wrote a book talking about it. And then I would, you know, I don't want to know people's sex life, but I was really interested in the rules. Like if you're, if it's just a quick, I'm on the road, let's just get each other off. Do you, do you make out first? Do you lay in bed? Do you cuddle? Do you, is it emotional at all, or do you just get right down to business? And that sounds like a maybe an inappropriate question to ask, but I figured if you're going to write a book that covers a lot of your sex life, maybe I can ask this question. I don't know. <laughs> I would have thought they'd probably just get right down to business. I, <laughs> I didn't know for sure. So I thought I could ask. Anyway, at. Uh, she was great. That's one of my favorite episodes we've, we've done. I was a little worried. And it, I got to be honest, after it was over, I was worried that it wasn't very good. But hearing the final product after you were done with it, which didn't even have that much music in it, to be honest, I was like, no, this is great. I was wrong. We 
we did oh. good job. We did good work here. Now, now we needed Andy on here for this discussion. He would have just he would have had a field day with that one. I'm sure he would have. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Next time he couldn't make it today. Um, yeah. Okay, we burned through that, and it's my fault because I have to. I have other plans. I wanted to get this in next weekend. We're going to Charleston, South Carolina. Have you ever been to Charleston? I have not. I've I have not been to either of the Carolinas. Neither have I. Neither have I. I've got, we. Um, I've got twenty eight states on my on my list that I've done. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was how many I've had? Probably thirty five. So, yeah, I've never been. Farrah's always wanted to go to that and Savannah. And um, there, she found a deal for really cheap airfare to Charleston. So we're just going for the weekend. We fly out on like Saturday morning and come back Tuesday morning or something like oh, that. Oh, cool. But it's, cool. Um, yeah, we're just going to try and squeeze in as much as we can in the 48 hours that we're there. So Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. Close out song because I know you got to go. Yeah, I got to go. So thanks again, Jan, for doing these with me. Uh, uh, Andy, we'll get you next time. Closeout song. This time we're going with one of our listeners, Robert Lawler. He has a song called Feathers to the Wind. He's got a few things out there on Spotify, but the album this song came on is called Protect. It came out in 2022. The song, again, is called Feathers to the Wind. I really like this. There's kind of an 80s new wave jangle pop feel to this song that I I really enjoy. Anyway, thank you, Robert. Thanks, you. All right, and have fun. Enjoy dinner.
I don't 